something up here um, that Cindy sent to me. Um, first first blush, it's kind of a, a joke. Let's move this way so we're away from the speaker. But it's really not a joke, and I have actually a really big burden um, as we press into even just what the Lord has today. But Because um, I feel like this is something the Lord's Wanting to use, hold on. I'll zoom into this top part. It's on delay, sorry. Can you guys see that? I'll just read it. It says, if our churches had members with this kind of faithfulness and passion, we would change this world in no time. And honestly, she had sent that to me uh, after I had already been stirring that. And we want to focus on the cross today because I felt, you know, like the, the last week uh, we talked about baptism and how it's the burial, but that we're supposed to partake in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so I wanted to focus in on the cross. I feel like the Lord's saying, let's, let's just start looking at the cross uh, and the story of the cross as we partake in his, in his death. And you know what, honestly, like, uh, I'm convicted, we should be convicted, many of us in here, and maybe it's something else that we could insert, but frankly, we, we care more, so many of us in this state get more grieved over the loss of a football team than we do over lost souls. And we will go and we will sit out in cold weather with the snow on top of us, and if there are seats, if we're in the top of the section and there are seats that are open down below, we're scrambling to move down front so we can get closer to the action, and we will scream, and we will yell, and we will shout, and we will cheer, and we will sing hoorah, and we will get so excited over some college kids chasing a, a football around, and we'll get really emotional when they lose, and this isn't like a joke of like, oh, Huskers, like, I'm actually like, I'm actually a little frustrated, if I'm being honest, like in a holy way. Like, we will get, literally, it will ruin some of our day. But yet, there are people who are walking on a pathway to hell, and we don't care. <laughs> we don't get stirred at all. And then we'll walk into a gathering like this, and, and this is not like, hear me out, this is not a knock on like the back or the front, but like, we, 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 will, we will like, many of us, try to get as far away from the action as we can, Many of us have kids, and this is part of the reason why, because <laughs> we don't want the kids to have to interrupt the action. But, but many of us will, like, will like kind of be half in, half listening, half not. Uh, and meanwhile, the presence of God is, is falling in a place, and unlike the football game, we don't want to, like, move in. <laughs> we don't want to press forward. We don't want to get closer to it. We don't want to, like, hang on every word that the Lord is speaking and every action and movement and this is like a loving, hear me out here, I hope this is heard as like a loving challenge. Like, I pray, I feel like the Lord's been stirring me because I, like, I was in this world. I, I pr I'm praying for the day that this state in particular has a revival that, like, the Huskers aren't sold out anymore, <laughs> you know? Because, like, we're not, we're not, we don't care as much about Nebraska football as we do as, like, the Lord is pouring out his spirit and I could care less what the score is of that game. Listen, I'm not like knocking. I watch the games, okay? I like watching the games. It's fun. There's not like you can't enjoy the games. But there is something, we have, we have enthroned this thing, and we have taken off the throne of Jesus, and then somehow we get in this room, and someone's wailing before the Lord, and it makes some people uncomfortable. But I could put her in this setting, and I could have her wailing over the Huskers, and y'all would join right in. <laughs> And you would pat her on the back, and you would say, we're going to get it. But, but she's wailing on the floor, crying out for us to understand crucifixion, and I guarantee you it makes some of us in this room highly uncomfortable. So I pray for the day that this, us acting like, you know, 
Five-year-olds at a football game feels far more uncomfortable for grown men to be doing that than for them to be acting undignified before the Lord in this place. Amen? So I even hope, like honestly, men, I hope you challenge other men. I know that next Saturday there's probably a lot of big football games going on. And my hope is that we actually even care more about coming in this place and laboring and warring together as men to see the Lord move over our lives than we do about watching a game. Amen? Amen. And so I want to look at the cross today. Sorry, that was our appetizer, CJ. Um, I'm going to leave this up here because um, I believe as we fix our eyes on the cross, we will die a death a thousand times over that will crucify this type of thing. Okay? Because we will enthrone Jesus to to his rightful place. So, Father, we just ask, oh, where my Bible go? There it is. Um, would you grab your Bibles? Would you raise them with me? Would you stand and raise them with me if you're, so, if you're physically able? We're about to read the Holy Word of the Lord, and that should excite us. <laughs> it should excite us to be in his presence. Yes, come on. We got a little bit of snow today, and it's not, it shouldn't keep us, just like it wouldn't keep many of us from seeing this game, right? So Jesus, would you repeat after me? Jesus, Jesus. Holy Spirit, Holy Holy Father, Father. we believe believe. this is your holy holy. written word, word. and we commit to obey obey. the words words. that we are about to read. read. And would you come, Holy Spirit, Spirit. and would you convict with your presence? Our hearts are open, and we want to meet you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just going to leave that up there. Um, me and CJ do this thing where we, we teach together, and we don't go over it before. And I believe the Holy Spirit moves on it. So... Do you want to maybe just launch with uh, the Exodus 33 stuff that we've been talking about? We're going to, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in a few different places. Exodus 33, Matthew 27, um, Ezekiel 37. If you've got your Bibles, just put some tabs in there. Yes, yeah, so um, if you guys have been with us for a while, uh, we have been uh, talking a lot about the presence of God um, the correlation between Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, Nick had uh, taught about the, the omnipresent, the, uh, God is omnipresent, but his, is also manifest presence as well. And so, you know, we hear things like, you know, we want to, we want to, um, we want to experience God or, or God is in this place. And some people are like, well, you know, he's always in this place. He's with every believer, but there's actually a difference between, um, uh, his manifest presence, which um, he, was a really good teaching. And so we've been talking about Exodus 33. This has been something that I have um, preached on and talked about, something that has been stirring on my heart for a very, very long time um, since the Lord showed it to me. And so I just want to read it to you, a little backstory. Um, there's two parts I want to get to, but a little backstory with Exodus 33 um, really fast is, you know, uh, Mo- Moses is on the, on the mount with, with, uh, with God. And um, uh, God is speaking to him. The Ten Commandments are, are being constructed of the tablets. And um, the people down below, they get impatient waiting for Moses to return. So what happens is they begin to uh, melt down the gold and build a golden calf. And a little backstory about that, really interesting. I really pray we have enough time to do this because you know, I get excited about this. But um, there is a, um, as they melt down the calf and the golden calf, and they, and they construct this golden calf, melt down the gold, construct the golden calf, they begin to worship this calf. And at this point, God's like, Moses, you need to go down. Your people are doing something terrible. And a little backstory if you don't know this, but when they're worshiping the golden calf, they're actually calling it uh, Yahweh. So Yahweh is always referred to God. It's his name. It's the most holy. They don't even spell it out all the way because it's so holy to even spell it all the way. And the only time that it's referenced to something else is actually this passage when they're actually calling this golden calf Yahweh. And it's crazy to think because a lot of you guys right now see it on your faces where you're like, that's insane. Who would ever do that? Why would they even do that? Here's the, here's the crazy thing. We do it all the time. 
is where we build Jesus in our own image and we worship him because we know, just like the golden calf, that this God will allow us to live how we want to live and we can still call ourselves believers. And so they're literally worshiping this golden calf as we construct Jesus in Christianity in our own image here in America. And so that's just kind of like a little side note of, of, of the depth of what's going on. And so God, to the point, is leading them to the promised land. He gets frustrated with his people. And he pretty much tells Moses, hey, I'm going to still lead you guys to the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you. I'm going to send an angel before you to take you. And so in Exodus 33, um, let's go with... Let's start with verse 14. So now Moses is communing with God. And he said, or sorry, hold on a sec. So God says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Talking about the angel. He said, then in verse 15, then he said to him, Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except if you go with us? So, so, so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all other people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight. So basically Moses pleads with God, pleads with God. He says, God, if your presence does not lead us up out of here, do not take us up out from this place. Because to us, your presence is everything to us. Your presence is, is why we gather and that we'd rather, we'd rather stay in the desert for the rest of our lives with you than be in the promised land without your presence. And then he says something down here in verses 19, or sorry, verses 18. He said, and Moses asked, please show me your glory. In verse 19, he says, then he said, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious to, and have a compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. For the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock, so, so it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand, and I will pass by. So you got to understand that this is the only way that God's going to be able to pass his glory by Moses in this moment, is that if he hides him in a rock because his presence and his glory, his goodness is so powerful that he says that if you even look upon it, no man shall even live. And so I want to paint this picture of, of Old Testament. That's how it was in the Old Testament. Moses built a tent to have the glory of God in it. There was always a place a building, a tabernacle, a tent that the glory of the Lord and his presence dwelled in. So turn with me to Ezekiel 37. And many of you may know this passage, but... Um, I, I believe that prophetically the Lord is personally and corporately that the, the church, Big C today, is in a place where we are living in Exodus 37, my humble opinion, okay? This is the Valley of Dry Bones. Basically, this is uh, Ezekiel, prophetic book. He gets a lot of prophetic images. There's a lot of... Um, uh, they're in captivity right now, exile. He's doing this from exile, okay? And he gets this image of a valley of dry bones, okay? It says, And the hand of the Lord was upon me, verse 1, And he brought me out of the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Which, by the way, this scene 
would depict a picture. This is what it would look like after a battle, and the, the army that had gotten conquered was left in disgrace, and they left the bodies there. They didn't give them proper burials, okay? So you have this scene of all these dry, dead bodies that were wasting away. They were dry bones. They were not given a proper burial. I believe, prophetically, that many times today, this is the church. We, we should be able to live in victory, and we've been conquered, and we're laying in a place of being conquered, and we're a valley of dry bones that has no life in us. Spirit of God is not moving through us, okay? And we're laying there withering away as, as kind of a collective, okay? And the Lord wants to do so much through us, but we're living as if we've been conquered on the ground, and the Lord is saying, I want to breathe my life into these dry bones, okay? And he says, thus says the Lord, God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you. I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and, and, uh, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. This is, I want you to key on something, because when we jump to Matthew 27, I want you to note this. He's literally saying, not just that in some spiritual sense where there's no body, some glorified body, I'm going to bring you into this place where you don't actually have flesh and bone. He says, hey, dry bones, I'm going to put flesh and bone on you. I'm going to put tendons on you, Okay. Note, note that. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. I, love, I just love this scene. There was a rattling. Man, we need a rattling in the church today. We need a rattling, okay? We might need a rattling in here today. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Thus says the Lord, the Lord God, come out the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Lord, I just pray even right now, may I just even prophesy, Lord, would your church, would you breathe life into them? Would they come alive in Jesus' name? So this is the part I want you to, to cue in. 11 and 12, and a little bit beyond. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will, this part right here, note, just key into these words, every word that's used, I will open your graves, raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I do what? When I open your graves, raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place in your land, place you in your land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Flip over to Matthew 27. Sorry, I'm going to make you run a little bit here, okay? That's Ezekiel. That's a prophecy from Ezekiel, okay? What were the things that he says he was going to do? Dry bones. I will raise you from the dead. I will put flesh on bones. I will raise them from their graves, and you will actually see flesh and bone being raised to life. I will also put my spirit within you, and you will be raised to life. Now let's fast forward to the scene in Matthew 27, where we just read the crucifixion, which we're going to zero in on some of that on another day. But, um, man, may we not ever get casual about the crucifixion, right? Um, just such, such the, the, the ramifications and what the Lord did. And then he asks us to partake in. We have to come back to the cross, we have got to be a people who come back to the cross. So in verse 45, this is right after what John read earlier, okay? It says, Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. About the ninth hour, which by the way, this would have been the hour that sacrifices were being offered in the temple. This will come into play later, okay? So the priests were in the temple ministering, okay? About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran, took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it, gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. This is the moment Jesus dies, okay? So I want you to see this in two ways about the next part, okay? So one, what happens, what Jesus went through, okay? And two, if God is asking us to partake in the same death that Jesus did, as we read in Romans 6, okay, it says that we are to be partakers in his death, okay? I want you to see that at the moment Jesus offered up his spirit, at the moment he died, 
<laughs> this is just so cool, prophetically what happens. The moment Jesus dies, it says, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Pause there. Priests would have been ministering in the temple. No one goes to the Holy of Holies or they die. And the moment that Jesus <gasps> breathes his last, a, 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 a curtain just wide as this rips in two. And you better believe the people who were ministering in there would have been freaking out. They probably would have literally thought they would have died. Because if the presence got out of the Holy of Holies, bad things happened, right? And so the moment that happens, one, it's a judgment on the church. It's a judgment on the people who crucified him. Because he said, you who are ministering in this temple and crucified me, now the place where, the, where you, you would minister to the Lord, it's now busting out of there. And I'm bringing judgment upon you, but then I'm freeing out the Holy Spirit. And what do you remember from, from Ezekiel 37? What did he say? He said, I will put my spirit within you. The moment Jesus breathed his last, Ezekiel 37 was, was prophetically fulfilled in one way. And I'll get to the other way. But that is his spirit broke out. Why? Because we're the new temple. And God says, I'm no longer going to live in a temple where you got to make sacrifices and do all the different things. I now want to live inside of each and every one of you because you are the temple. And the, and the moment Jesus died, that part was fulfilled. Keep going. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. This is prophetic. This is um, apocalyptic. Uh, uh, theophany is a word that's many used. Basically just means when God came down, you saw this on the top of uh, right here in Exodus, right? You saw the mountains shaking. Darkness comes over the land. It's, a, it's an act of judgment as well as God's presence, okay? But then it says, remember Exodus 37. What two things did I tell you? I'm going to put my spirit within you and the dead will be raised. Check this out. Verse 52, the tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were what? Raised. And coming out of the tombs after this resurrection, was this like a, oh, we're in heavenly places, I'm just leaving? No. It says they went where? They went into the holy city and appeared to many. Pause right there. This is, this is Ezekiel 37 getting fulfilled. He's saying that when Jesus breathed his last, the valley of dry bones got raised to life. Okay? That the spirit of the living God broke out of the temple and he was raising to life his church. But what triggered this? What was the thing that we read that triggered this? It, like I said it. It's not like his, his last breath, his death. Here's my claim to you. I actually believe that if the Lord, that we are in the Ezekiel 37 place as a valley of dry bones, I believe we have no idea what it means to die to self. I believe we, we preach a gospel today, as I said last week, that does not know what it means to crawl up on a cross and actually partake in his death, let alone his burial and let alone his resurrection. And I actually think if we want to see Ezekiel 37, which people quote all the time, especially if you're in enough charismatic circles, right? Like they, they quote all the time, like, oh, valley of dry bones, rise up. You want to know what makes a valley of dry bones rise up? A death. Death is what makes a valley of, of dry bones rise up. Death is what makes the spirit of the living God move through a people and raise up an army. These are all language that we love to say in here, like raise up an army, Lord, do all these different things. What triggered the army? It was the death and the last breath of Jesus. And he's saying, if you want Ezekiel 37, if you want to see a valley of dry bones rise up, which I believe we are in this place, you have to learn to die. It's at the very moment that we die that the Lord fulfilled those things. Amen? Anything to add? Sorry, I took that for a while, CJ. <laughs> no, it's really good. I took so, the ball and ran with it because, you know, we love football. So, so, <laughs> so let, let's, uh, so remember this, keep this in mind. Uh, I want to take a step to the side real quick before um, I kind of pound this other point in real quick is um, I always use this, this analogy um, as a reference point because there needs to be Revelation needs to be had today, okay? We need to understand this because uh, we can have it head knowledge, but not have it in our hearts. And so uh, it's called the 18-inch journey is where it's, if we can get it from here to here, that's when revelation starts. And so, you know, I always use the analogy of a man who is bloodline royalty, but he's living as a homeless man. And he doesn't know that he's bloodline. He doesn't know that he's heir to the throne. 
And so if you, what you don't know, you're going to be live, he's going to be continuing to live as a homeless man. It's because he doesn't have the understanding of who he actually is and where he actually belongs to. And so that moment that he gets the revelation of who he is, is the moment his entire life shifts. Because now he knows his potential, now he knows his destiny, now he knows his calling, where he actually belongs. Many of us are in that spot today, in here, is where we've been living this certain life because we just don't know or have a revelation or a full understanding of what is actually available to us through the cross. And so this is, this is what we talk about all the time, about uh, the full gospel not being preached. Because we just tell people to say a prayer and they're good. But they have no understanding and no revelation of the fullness of what Jesus Christ actually died to give us. And if we knew the fullness, some of us wouldn't be sitting in here lifeless right now. And so I say this out of complete love um, to challenge us and make us think today. And so when, when Nick was saying, talking about this, he gave his last, last breath and the veil was torn. There's a significance in the fact that the veil was torn is that almost as if the presence of God was unleashed into the earth. Because like I said, Exodus 33, all throughout Moses' time is that it was always his presence and his dwelling place was always inside of a place, inside of a building. Even when Solomon was building his temple, he thought to himself, God, what is this temple that you would come from heaven and dwell in this place? Well, guess what? It gets even better because now God's going to leave the temple and start dwelling in people. And so we always talk about uh, Matthew 17, the Mount of Transfiguration, real quick. I'm just going to go through it. Matthew 17, the Transfiguration. We'll start in verse 1, Matthew 17, verse 1. I know there's a lot of scriptures we're throwing at you. More scriptures is better than no scriptures, amen? Matthew 17, verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. And just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And it says, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son who I love. With him I am well pleased, and listen to him. I find it hilarious that Peter, among all people, loves to talk. And in this moment of glory that the Lord is shining through Jesus, this, this glory is just shining, and Peter starts talking. And it's almost like God's hand comes down and was like, shh, like now's not the time to speak. And Peter, in this moment, you got to understand that his idea is that he's, he's Old Testament, he's, he's, he's Old Covenant, he's thinking about Moses and how the presence dwelled in a place. And so he's thinking, this is the glory. I should not even be part of this right now. Let's build three tents. Let's build three shelters to put you guys in these shelters. And then God stops him. He says, this is my son who I love. I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. This is a foretelling of what's going to happen. Peter's first instinct is we must shelter the glory. We must put the glory in a place. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. You don't have to do that anymore. This is foretelling of what's going to happen. He didn't know that Peter didn't know that eventually Christ's death the veil was going to be torn, and access to God's presence was going to be available. Now, you guys have to stop and think of, the, of how crazy this is. How crazy this is. Forever, the presence dwelled in a place. Only the priest could go in. It was like this huge, long ceremonial thing just to even get into the inner courts, the holies, the holy of holies. And now God is saying, 
that, hey, the veil is torn. Now it's my presence, my glory, my goodness, the full power of God is going to actually dwell in believers. If you can get this revelation today, I guarantee, I said this before, if you can get this revelation today, a lot of us in here would stop gossiping. A lot of us in here would stop backbiting each other. A lot of us in here would stop walking in a, in a woe is me mentality. A lot of people in this place, if you would understand that the glory of the Lord lives in you as a believer, healing lives in you as a believer, deliverance lives in you as a believer, freedom lives in you as a believer, you would stop walking in your brokenness. I feel like I can go on for a, a very long time with that. But if we can get this understanding of when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we, we, we repented of our sins and we were baptized and the Holy Spirit came to dwell inside of us, if we can get the magnitude of how powerful that is, guys. Man, I, I, feel, like it, I feel like it would sh uh, shift the entire world. Well, and, and even within here, like, as we pursue the presence of the Lord in here, um, I was reminded, you know what they did? I think I've mentioned this before, but historically, you know what the Jews did after the temple was torn? They sewed it back up. And I believe it was, again, a prophetic and also going back to the old ways where like, hey, if the Lord has broken out, and he says, basically, all you need to do is die, <laughs> okay? Die to yourself, and the access of the Holy Spirit is everywhere, <laughs> right? It can be inside of you, and you're a carrier of my presence. The Jewish leaders didn't like that, because who had control of the presence of the Lord? The Jewish leaders did. And when they sewed that back up, it was basically saying, Lord, no, we're going to go back to the old system. We're going to go back to uh, our ways, our formulas, our rituals, all these different things. And I believe... <clears throat> One of the things that will get back, the church back to being the valley of dry bones that will rise up is dying to doing the very things that the Jews did. Dying as leaders to control. Dying as leaders and as the body to rituals. Dying to, as the body to coming in here and assuming that all the things that we're supposed to do, uh, well, I'll even put it this way. Like, like my, our job is to basically spoon feed you some things, and then if you don't like what we're spoon feeding you, you find the next person who can spoon feed you, and then if you don't like what the worship is, well, I'm going to find the environment that can get me the tabernacle the way I want, right? And I'm going to make sure that whoever's leading does all the rituals the right way to get the result that I want for the presence of the Lord. And then we wonder why the presence of the Lord has not broken out in our churches and in, our, and in our own individual lives, and why the Valley of, of Dry Bones really has not risen up yet. Why is it? Because we have sewn back up the veil. We have taken control back from the Lord, where he says, if you would die to those things, if you would just die as Jesus did, then you would see the dead raised to life. You would see the Holy Spirit breaking out in ways that you never could imagine. You would see the Valley of Dry Bones rising up. Lord, would you please, valley of dry bones, rise up. And I pray for our leaders. Like, one of the hardest things to do is to not feed into that mentality of like, hey, I just need to get what I, what, you need to give me what I want at a church, quote unquote, right? You need to give me what I want. And if you don't give me what I want, that's okay. I'll go find somewhere else. Like, this is not, your banner is Jesus. Your banner is not the church you go to, okay? Your banner is Jesus. Your allegiance is to Jesus, and if at any point in time that gets reversed, we have a serious problem that we need to repent of. And if at any point in time any leader makes you feel like you need to put your allegiance in the church above Jesus, that is an issue. I didn't mean to go there, but I did. But I say this because I want even just for all of us in this room, it is such a slippery slope. It is so easy to begin stitching that thing up one by one, one by one, one by one. Ah, oh, man, like... You know, I, I, you know, even even for me, like it's like the Lord's moving. Like you know, I I I I'll, I'll can I can I be transparent for a second? Um, you see this thing over here? Um, that's because against my better judgment, uh, CJ can attest. I have wrestled with this for so long. Um, everybody loves to market a fire, right? A quote-unquote fire. 
They, they want to put it on social media and podcasts and different things. And I have like, oh, I've rebelled against it so much because I'm like, I do not want to market what the Lord is doing. I want the Lord to be his marketing. I want the fire to be the marketing. And what, what do you do when the Lord says, hey, like, ba- like last week with baptism, um, there's going to be people who are going to want to be baptized who aren't here this Sunday. And I don't want to have to teach an hour sermon every single time someone comes to me and says, I want, I want to be baptized. So we have begun recording some of this stuff so that I can pass that along. And so you have to put it on pl- certain platforms. And there are ways in which people can now engage in what the Lord's doing. But you want to know what's in my heart? I am like battling I'm like, Lord, is this a stitch? <laughs> like, please, please, please convict me. Like, is this, is this me putting one, two, three stitches in, in the veil here where I'm taking it back into my control or we're marketing what we're doing or we're exalting our name above every other name, above the name of the Lord? Like, Lord, please don't let us get to that place where we start to stitch that back up. Next thing you know, the veil's not, it's not sewed up, you know, in like that. They're all there. It's one stitch at a time, right? And you start making these compromises one stitch at a time, and then the next thing you know, you're down a road and you look out and you go, wait a second. The veil is sewed up and the presence of the Lord is not here. How did this happen? So that's a rabbit trail to basically say, Lord, I pray. It's not a rabbit trail. It's, it's a necessary trail. It's a relevant trail because we in this place, I pray the presence of the Lord falls in this place perpetually, continually, falls upon his people continually. And if that means that we don't teach in here for a week and we just praise and worship the Lord, then we will praise and worship the Lord. If that means that we don't sing a a note in here, but we teach the word of God for an hour and a half, then we will teach the word of God for an hour and a half. If it means that we minister to people, then we will minister to people. I don't care what it looks like as long as it's what the Lord wants. Because I and everybody else in this room needs to die a daily death a thousand times over so that the Lord can have his way in his fullness, right? And I will even challenge this too. Like, I, I've seen both sides of this. I've seen the people who are like, man, you, you know, you're, we're, we're preaching too much, and we need to preach less. Or, I mean, I literally had both of these the last couple of weeks. Or, or, man, you don't preach enough. We need to preach more. And at the end of the day, we want to be obedient to the Lord. And for some of you, you know, the anointing doesn't just fall because you have the right person pray over you, right? Like, it can. Don't get me wrong. Like, there is something with anointing. But, you know, some of you need to get hit with a, less with an anointing from someone else's hand and more with a death. <laughs> like, I think if we start dying a thousand times over, that's where the anointing actually lies, right? That if we learn death to self, the anointing actually falls and meets there. Does that make sense? I, I think it's also important, too, when coming into uh, a gathering uh, not just like this, but anything, is that we have to be careful for mindsets that we're unaware of. Um, uh, spirit of religion kind of mindsets where the, the term I hear it all the time, it's like, well, this is, this is how I was taught. It's like, okay, well, is it biblical? Because it doesn't care how you, it doesn't matter how you were taught if it's not biblical. And so one of the hardest things that we, myself included, is that when we come into a place, the flesh and the spirit wage war against each other, day in and day out. And there are moments when we feel uncomfortable and we say, well, that's not of God because he wouldn't make me feel uncomfortable. He would. <laughs> he, he actually loves to make his people uncomfortable because what it's doing is that if you guys know... Uh, when, uh, let's say, um, the, the passage when uh, P- uh, Peter, uh, Jesus says, you know, the Satan has come to sift you. You know what that word sift means? It means agitation from within. And so if you've ever seen an old school sifter, it's got the arm, it's inside the little can, it's like moving around, and I remember my grandma used to do it all the time. That's what's happening sometimes, is there's a sifting on the inside of us. It's an agitation from within, trying what we feel or presume is, well, th- this is just weird or this is just not, you know, I want to go to a place where I don't feel that agitation from within. And so that's actually the enemy some, many times trying to get you to leave a place where, he, where the Lord knows that you will grow because you'll be challenged. And see, the enemy would, 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 would love for all of us to be at a church or a place 
for the rest of our lives, if it, he doesn't care if we go to church as long as we don't grow. He doesn't care if we gather five times a week as long as we don't, we're not challenged. And so here's what's going to happen is that we're going to come in and we're going to hear things like this. And I always say this, but there are two things that are going to happen to you when you hear truth. You're going to feel the Holy Spirit convict you. And the Holy Spirit is going to say, hey, you know, this is, this is your moment to change. This is your moment to lay it down on the altar. This is your moment to die to yourself. And then the enemy is going to come in, and he's going to try to get you to say, no, you're fine where you're at. You're perfectly okay with your, you don't, you don't need that. You're a good person. You never murdered anyone. You never robbed a bank. And so we have to be, we have to always be in this place of consistently, daily evaluating ourselves, asking the Holy Spirit to search us, and getting to this place where we're not afraid to be agitated and challenged by what's being taught. The traditions of men, guys. And, and you know the thing with that is that um, we're talking about the glory, right? The glory has been unleashed. We can enter into the glory. You know the thing about the glory? I've, I've said this before because uh, I heard this and I love it. That the, the further you go into the glory, the less you can take with you. Okay? Like, and even in the, in the Old Testament, this was true. Like, this principle was true. The, if we want the glory of God to reside in this place, we have to, as he's saying, like, you have to. You have to be willing to shut off uh, things that are not of the Lord and even things that are neutral. <laughs> like, this doesn't mean, like, these things are bad, but, like, I don't know if you've ever noticed, as the Lord's presence is poured out and you go further into the glory, you find yourself going, man, I don't know that I really... <laughs> Do, do I want to watch Netflix right now? Or I, I could be interceding, you know? Like, there's things that aren't even necessarily bad. It's not like if you do them, they're in, you're in sin or anything like that. But the more you get consumed and go into the glory, the more that you're just wanting everything of the Lord. And so my prayer over this place, maybe just kind of an application, um, and I don't know what the Lord wants to do with this. Uh, what time is it? See, we got rid of the clock. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. We, we went for three-plus hours last week. With baptisms, which if you missed that, oh man, that was powerful. If anybody wants to be baptized in here today, we'll baptize every week. I feel like the Lord said, we'll, we'll be the water baptism place. Yeah. People want to get back to, to baptism and dying and burying self, we'll do it. You want to be baptized? So I know someone wants to be baptized, bring them out. We won't wait. <laughs> we'll do it. And we'll do it now. Um, but I feel like if we want the Lord's presence to just be moving in this place, and can I get an amen? That's, that's, that's been the, the one thing that we have asked of the Lord. Would your presence be moving in power? Would it be here? Would we be people of your presence? It's going to cost. It's going to cost. And even, I love uh, Patrick. I hope you don't mind me saying I won't uh, tell you everything. But, but he texted me the other day, and he was like, he sent me a verse that was like talking about, you know, even just how we speak, how we talk, how we joke. And he's like, man, like, I hope you don't mind me sharing this. Like, I, I just, I, he, he texted me. He's like, man, uh, this just convicted me. Like, yeah, I want the Lord to just continue to refine me in this area. And I feel like I'm supposed to reach out and let you know. You know what that is? That's the glory resting on him. And then when the glory rests on him, and when he's in the word of God, he now begins re getting refined. And those things that otherwise normally don't bother him, and normally aren't even a thing, and he doesn't even think twice about, all of a sudden conviction's setting, and he's going, you know what? I don't want to take this, because I, I can't have the glory and take all this baggage with it. So Lord, shed everything off that is not of you, and all the things that you don't want with it. That is, that is evidence that the presence of the Lord is moving in his life. Amen? And, and so I pray that over this place. Like, would we not be people who just are calloused to uh, dying to self? I pray that we die every morning. I pray that we die a thousand deaths. Catherine Kuhlman used to say all the time before she would come up and preach. Catherine Kuhlman, who, she was different. Uh, for those of you that know Catherine Kuhlman. But she was just a lightning rod for the Lord. But she would, she would come in and she would say, I would die a thousand deaths before I would preach every time. And no one really knew what she meant. But what she was saying was, in order for me to actually deliver the, wor the word of the Lord in power, she said, I had to die to myself over and over and over. And no one saw the death that would occur time and time and time again before I would even walk up there and, and say a word. And so, Lord, I'm even just praying, like, as we are sent out, as we're in this place, Lord, would we die a thousand deaths? <laughs> Would we die a thousand deaths in this place? And would your presence fall? Would your presence be moving in here? Would it be moving in here? 
know that I've got much else if you guys <laughs> share, but I just I just feel in my heart honestly to pray um, that today that the Lord breaks the traditions of men off our hearts. Um, this is not a um, a promotion. But uh, I did, I, uh, back in 2018, I did write a book called uh, More Than a Religion. I did not know this. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> what? What? Uh, it's called Dying to the Traditions of Men and Coming to Life. You right now. Coming to Life in the Power of God. <laughs> Who is this guy standing next sorry. to me? I don't even know. I don't, him. I don't go around promoting it. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's a pride thing in me. I don't I know. I should have done my research. Like, I don't know if you're a heretic. Like, I don't know. I haven't read the book yet. I don't know. Is it, is it good? <laughs> good all right bro i'm just kidding i'm joking <laughs> yeah but the the premise of it was that there has been so much tradition that has seeped into the church of of i remember if i can if i can, say this real quick um in first corinthians uh there's this there's paul's talking there's a scripture where it says no eye has seen no ear has heard what god has in store for those who love him um i hear that scripture quoted all the time and in fact, I, I feel like it's used a lot of the times to kind of explain away certain things and, and kind of take responsibility off of us that God has given us. And, but if, if, if you read that passage, uh, Paul's actually quoting Old Testament. And then the very next scripture, the very next verse after that says, but God has revealed it to us through his spirit. So we can take something like that and we can say, you know, we'll just never, ever be able to know what God has in store for those who love, to, for those who love him. And we can literally create an entire theology in our entire lives off of that, where we think that we will just never know the plans that God has for us. And that will lead us down to a path of really not understanding that God is a God of revelation and wants to reveal things to you. But the very next scripture says, but God has revealed it to us through his spirit. And so if we never read on, and, and, and that, that creates traditions, because I've known people, I've, I've been quoted that scripture, and they said, well, that's, that's what my pastor, I, I said, have you read the rest of that, that book? Well, no. I'm like, you probably should, because it would change your entire theology of how you see God. Two scriptures, one out of context, will change your entire theology, your entire understanding of who God is. And so I wrote this book because the Bible is talking, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he's saying that tr the traditions of men have rendered the word of God null and void. And you're thinking to yourself, how can anything render this null and void? But it's our traditions that we hold on to and cling as if it's this. That can render this in our own lives powerless. Because we choose to believe what we want to believe. And we choose to believe, we surround ourselves with, this is my wife's Bible, by the way. I wouldn't do pink <laughs> postcards and purple pink postcards, so... Hey, there's no judgment here, you, man. I promise you that. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> now I forgot where I was at. <laughs> um, but they're busted. Who said that? <laughs> I'll see you at the altar call. I'm pray for you. But um, but we choose to believe. It says that we surround ourselves with people who will tell us what our itching ears want to hear. And that we will surround ourselves with teachers who will preach what we want them to preach. And if we only ever listen to people who agree with us or we agree with them 100% of the time, then we'll never challenge ourselves, like I said earlier. And so that's what the traditions, these, these the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were believing things that they pretty much making Christianity in their own image, making God in their own image. And so I wrote this book to kind of shatter a lot of different um, traditions of men that have seeped into the church um, and so I, I just I just pray that today honestly I pray that if there's like what Nick's been saying if there's anything of us any traditions in our hearts that we've just chose to believe because it makes us more comfortable then I pray that those strongholds in the walls be broken down today in Jesus name yeah um, let's do this uh, I want to finish with one song um, that I feel like the Lord gave me I don't know why recently um, Everything the Lord has, wants us to do here, I feel like I, I get when I'm sleeping. I get in dreams. So i uh, got a song. Uh, you guys will probably know it. I want to replay quick. But um, 
I feel like the Lord um, wants to bring, I don't know what, Lord, would you speak? Is my wife in here? Can someone maybe grab her so she can help me sing? Um, uh, the, the verse where it says, um, the Lord, when Jesus was walking, and the woman with the issue of blood touched her garment, and it says that he, he felt power go out from him. And I just, that's been, in my prayer life, that's been just ringing true this week of like, man, uh, to live in such a way where when you lay hands on someone, for whatever the reason is, like you actually feel the presence and power of the Lord going out. Um, and I feel like the Lord was saying, I want to anoint, want to anoint your hands. Um, so if you would just, uh, again, there's never any pressure well, there's, pressure's good, but just, you have free will in here, okay? But, um, man, would you just open your hands? I feel like the Lord wants to even do something here through uh, death to self, through power of the Lord, on our hands. So, Father, I just even pray right now, would our hands, Lord, would you anoint our hands with oil, the oil of the Holy Spirit? I pray that if there is anything standing in the way of your power flowing fully through us right now, I ask in the name of Jesus right now, would you bring it to our minds? Would you convict us? Would you hate, allow us to hate our sin? Would you allow us to hate our sin? You know what brought Jesus' death? It was the hatred of the Jews. You know what's going to bring complete and utter death in your life? The hatred of your sin. So Jesus, I pray deep conviction right now of anything that is not of you. And would you begin to just anoint with fire the hands of the people in this place. I pray right now they would even feel a holy heat upon their hands. I pray that there are, uh, there's healers in this place. And you are lighting their hands on fire and anointing them right now to heal. There are people who have never seen a miracle before who have never seen a miracle. And right now in Jesus' name, I, pray, I feel like you are anointing their hands. You are anointing their hands with the power of your resurrection, God. Would we know you first and foremost? Would we know you in the power of your resurrection? I just feel like if there's some people in here right now where you're just like, that's ringing true. You're feeling that holy heat upon your hands. That holy heat upon your hands. That there's an anointing being, being poured out. I would just even challenge you. Would you stand up? Would you stand up? And would you ask the Lord, receive, I receive it. I receive it, Lord. Would you ask the Lord for it? The Lord doesn't want me to ask for it for you. He wants you to ask. Lord, anoint my hands. Anoint my hands, Jesus. There's some in here where I feel like the Lord is anointing your feet right now. I feel like he's even asking you to take your shoes off because he's going to send you with the feet of the gospel. That the gospel, you're going to go tread on foreign soil because your feet are getting anointed with fire right now. You're feeling a holy heat upon your feet. I just feel, I feel that in my spirit right now, that there's some people where their feet are getting warm. I feel like that's the Holy Spirit. It's not like the shoes you got on or, oh man, I'm hot in here. Like there's, there's like a fire that's lighting your feet on fire right now. I challenge you right now to stand up, take your shoes off. Take your shoes off. If that's you, would you hold, I'm not doing the circuit rider thing, Jenna, but would you, would you hold your, your shoes in the air? Because I want, I actually want, Jenna, could you, if, those, if that's you in here, would you hold your shoes in the air? Because I feel like the Lord wants to have, uh, Jenna, are you still here, Jenna? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Would you pray, would you pray over those for an anointing, an evangelistic anointing to go in the name of Jesus? Lord, we hold every single person in here with really loose hands. <laughs> we don't need them to be in here when you have them elsewhere. God, we want you to send them. Would you raise up this place to be a place that is sending people, that doesn't need to go to the four corners of the earth to get all the different places where there are things. God, I pray that this would be an epicenter right here where you are raising up generations to be sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you're raising up people right now who can train those to send right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that you're lighting fires in people right now. Would you be birthing something right now? If that's you, if that's you, Jesus, would you ask, Lord, would I, can I go in the name of Jesus?
Lord, would you send me? Would you send me, Jesus? Would you send me, Jesus? Lord, would we be a people who are sent? Jesus. I pray for the person right now stuck in bondage. Jesus. Would you even just for the sake of uh, anonymity to a degree, but um, if, you're, if you guys are okay with it, if there's someone next to you um, and you can just lay a, a hand on a shoulder, I just feel like the Lord wants to break some things off in here. No, no one's going to force you. I don't want to make you, un- you know, I almost said don't want to make you uncomfortable, uh, CJ. Uh, but would you just, would you lay a hand on a shoulder and I even just, um, if, if you do, would you even ask the Lord, I pray there's an anointing that wants to be poured out from his people. Would you even ask the Lord, anoint, anoint. Cindy, could you uh, put a hand on Nick's shoulder right there? Jesus, I ask right now in the name of Jesus, would you anoint Nick with the oil of the Holy Spirit? I pray a, 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 a complete and utter surrender from him right now. I pray, Lord, you are calling him out. You are rising him up in the name of Jesus. We pray the oil, the anointing oil of the Lord over his head. Right now in Jesus' name. Would you be breaking things off right now in Jesus' name? Yeah, I know, I know some of you guys are still praying. I kind of want to do something similar. I feel in my heart, specifically for those who God, you feel in your heart that God is calling you to lead something or start something like... God is calling you to pioneer something, uh, a ministry or something. I just, I actually, I want to lay hands on you guys. So if you feel it, like God is calling you, has been tugging on your heart to start something. You don't even know what it is. And this could be a ministry. This could be business, which is also a ministry. I just want you guys to come forward. I want to lay hands on you. I want to pray for you. If you feel that stirring, like God is calling, you don't even know how to describe it, but you know that God is tugging on your heart. He's calling you to start something, whether it be a study, whether, I don't know, maybe you're going to start a ministry, a church, or, or he's calling you out, a business, whatever it is. Just come up here. I just really want to pray for you guys. I want to lay hands on you guys. I want to equip you guys. I want to send you guys out from here in Jesus name I feel like there's there's more you're kind of doubting yourself you don't know maybe this is just me but I really feel like God is, is, is calling many of you guys to pioneer something and with pioneering he's calling you to blaze new trails that no one has gone before Trevor when you're done I want to pray for you. I want you up here too Got Dylan and Allie back there. You guys are pioneering. If you guys want to come forward, I can pray for you back there. I don't care. You feel a calling, like God is calling you to pioneer and start something. Please come forward. Man, look at all these pioneers here. Look at what God's doing, calling these people. The rest of you guys just be praying, worshiping.